Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are were here last week, how many of you remember the message titled Stretched, right? Right? Amen? Um, I don't know when was the last time um, God brought forth a message here at church that I've received so many phone calls, text messages, so on and so forth after last, since last week. And I started to pray, and in the craziness of what our weeks have been looking like uh, for my family, moving and all that, the Lord just continued to pour that word and, and stretched into my heart, into my spirit. So I want to continue. So I guess we're going to just go into part two of what, what the Lord is showing me when it deals with stretched. And I pray that you see the big picture that we're going to go ahead and, and I'm going to try to uh, deliver to you that God has been stirring in my heart. So if you weren't here last week, I, I really encourage you to do this, to, to go to our podcast and, and listen to the first part of this message to really fully understand um, everything that we're discussing today. So... Even if you're here today, go back and you'll be blessed by last week's message. Can I get an amen? So I'm going to do a lot of um, catching up and, and summarizing of what we did last week. But last week we were able to speak on an Old Testament, what we called Hero of the Faith. Does anyone remember his name? You guys are loved today. Abraham. <laughs> Abraham. And we spoke about Abraham, and when we, we said that when we read his story, Abraham's story, it may seem difficult to put such a label on him like this one, hero of the faith. When you read the life of Abraham, it's, it's hard to say, yeah, yeah, he's a hero of the faith. Yes, later on in his later years, you see Abraham's life, and listen to this, you, you see that Abraham's life was one of great faith. You see that. But when you compare his older years or his later years, if however you want to say it, to his younger years or his earlier years, you'll recognize that in those years, the earlier ones, there was an obvious struggle within him to walk in faith. I wonder if there's anyone in here that has a struggle daily in their faith walk. If you do, you're in great company with a man called Abraham that we've been discussing here at church. Okay? So we discussed that a little bit last week and we learned that as Abraham began to grow in faith what did we say that that did not come easy to him he was taken through what we would call a process yes he was taken through experiences in life how many of you have gone through a process that has really tested your faith huh (laughs) how many of you have gone through some experiences I'm sure you know this So we look at his life and we recognize that Abraham was being stretched. Everyone say stretched. Stretched. Right. Just the word itself is stretched. Stretch the word stretch, right? It's it's a great word. And something that we continued, and I'll probably say it again sometime later today, it's this, that we must embrace the process and experience called stretch. Why should I embrace the process and the experience called stretch? Well, we came up with the answer last week. And it was this. In order to go forward in power and in faith to demonstrate the glorious image of his son, Jesus Christ. That was the final answer. After we dissected through all the scriptures and after we chewed on all the passages, we've recognized that the end result is I need to embrace the process the experience called stretch so that I could go forward in power and in faith so that I can demonstrate the glorious image of who Jesus is. Amen. So when we talk about faith, it's again very interesting. Because what is faith to you? What is faith to us? You know, if we were to get a camera and a mic and we go to interview people in the streets and say, what is faith? It'll be very funny. To, I, I mean, if, maybe one day we could do that kind of stuff and, and, and we'll play it just so you can see what's out there. But you would be amazed at what people will say what faith is and how they would define it. One way in which faith is defined, it's like this. Ready? Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone. 
And, and that makes perfect sense, that definition, for the reason being that it's, think about this, incomplete trust or incomplete faith in someone is actually no faith and no trust at all. How can you tell someone, I trust you, but just a little bit? Uh, you don't trust me. I have faith in you, but just a tad. That's not faith at all. A main point that we were surfing on and speaking about last week was this. That if you let go prematurely to the stretching of your life, it brings forth pain, right? We, we learned that in Abraham's life with his Ishmael. And when we're talking about this faith, this complete trust, this complete faith, it's not like, well, I have a relationship with God, but I kind of trust him on some things, and I kind of don't trust him in other things. Then we kind of look into that life, and we're like, then I'm not sure how good that relationship is going. And we can kind of define that, though we all struggle in the trust and the faith issue. And it's almost as if it's looking at the mirror and recognizing where we are before God. But we see that sometimes that our lack of faith, it does just this. That when we lack faith, at least in my life, it brings forth pain or it brings forth premature, even this, ready? Premature surrendering. Surrendering things that I should have never surrendered to instead of surrendering to the one. I surrender to other things. And I've recognized that when I give in or when I give up, it's because God is dealing with my faith and I lacked faith, so I went with my own strength rather than with his strength, which I need faith to live in. So last week, we went and we dove into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as we did that, I don't want to go back into that again today. I don't want to preach the same message. But I want to go ahead and I want to look at how Paul jumps into the next chapter. So if you have your Bibles there, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for me. Once you're there, give me an amen. And we'll go ahead and we'll start reading and having a good time today. I mean, I'm already having a blast today. How many of you are having fun already today? Amen? Come on, how many of you are already having fun today? All right, that's better. That's better. 2 Corinthians 5. Are we there? If not, it'll pop up on the screen and um, just, just try to get there as it pops up on the screen. It says this. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for we know that if our earthly house, everyone say earthly house. It's good. Um, what does that mean? If you're taking notes, that earthly house there, it's actually your physical body. So, so if we know that if our physical body, this tent, isn't that crazy? That your physical body is seen in scripture as a tent. A tent. We, we all have been to picnics yesterday. We've all been to picnics or beach before, right? What do we do with tents? We put them up, we build them, and then we what? We bring them down. I think God's speaking to us about our lives. Our bodies will be built up, and then eventually our bodies will be what? Brought down. Every single one of us. If we all live before the coming, if we all die before the coming of the Lord, it's a reality. Notice what I just said. We all die before the coming of the Lord. Every one of our tents have been birthed into this world, and every single one of our tents will be taken out of this world. There is no running from that. You heard me a couple weeks ago talk about gray hairs. It's evidence that you're getting older. Your tent is getting rips. Your tent is just getting older. What used to be beautiful, beautifully chrome is now catching a little bit of rust in it. It's still glorious, but it's just getting older. It's just been here longer. When you see a tent with more rips and more rust, it's not that, the rent, the, that that tent is necessarily bad. It's just that that tent has seen more with its eyes, has more experience, has a little bit more wisdom. So, so look what he says here. Our earthly tent, our physical bodies, it's destroyed. That, that kind of hurts the most, right? Oh, I'm working so hard on this. And then it says this. But we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, but look what he says next. They are eternal in the what? In the heavens. D does everyone understand this reading? It's basically saying like, hey, you got something on earth, but there is something way better in, yeah, in eternity. And it's something that is not made with hands. That's crazy. 
Because whether you move into a new house or you get a new car or you go to vacation, you see this new hotel or whatever you see new with your eyes, almost everything that your eyes lays hands on that's new to you, right, it's been made by hands. But I love how scripture says what? This building from God, it's not made with hands. (laughs) It's something eternal. It's something heavenly. It's from the heavens. Verse 2, for in this we groan. Remember the whole groaning message for you guys that were here? Wow, you guys worshiped awesome today, but amen. You guys remember the whole growing message? For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation. Everyone say this, ready? Dwelling. Okay, the word habitation there means dwelling. So, so what this, the author here is saying, and what Paul is saying is this, is this. We groan, we long for, we desire To be clothed, to put on this dwelling which is from heaven. Do you guys get this? I desire to get dressed in heaven's clothes. You've ever been around someone that says, I just can't wait to get to heaven. They've been reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 2. (laughs) I long to be glorified. I long to live in this glory. I I long that this old tent of mine will now be made new. And I've given this new clothes with not hands, but the glory of God. Let's keep going. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Verse 4. For we who are in, in this tent, in this physical body, we groan. Being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed. But further clothe that the mortality may be swallowed up by life. Let, let me explain this to you. Ready? Here we are in our physical bodies. We don't long to get rid of this physical bodies because we're suicidal. We long to get rid of this physical body because we can't wait to enter into our glorious body. We long to be in our glorious body. So he goes on and he says, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing, everything that I'm discussing to you today, is God. Everyone say, it's God. It's good. Who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Oh, I like this. Everyone say, down payment. That's what guarantee means there. He's given it to us as a a down, down payment. It's, it's here it is. It's a guarantee. It's going to happen. It's paid for. So look at verse 6. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, come on, catch this, we are absent from the Lord. So what do we do? What do we do? Because we're not with the Lord yet. What do we do? Because I have this tent that's decaying and I want to live in the glory. So what do I do while I'm on earth? Where do I go? How do I live? And look what verse 7 says. This is what you do. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And I love how the NLT says, verse 3, for we've been clothed, right? We shall not be found naked. You know what the NLT says? We long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing. I see what Paul is doing in this passage. I see it. And what he's doing is, he's this, he's, this, is, this is what God shared with me, Ready? That to see everything that I'm sharing with you in these verses, listen, he ends it in verse 7 with this. It's through spiritual eyes called faith and not through physical eyes called sight. Man, that's good. You should write that down in your notes. In order to see these promises of God, it's not through physical eyes called sight. You guys have all done that, right? How many fingers do I have up? But that's not how God works, and that's not how he functions. Our physical eyes is called sight, but our spiritual eyes is called faith. And that's what Paul is teaching us. I actually want to jump into more scripture because I'm actually, the introduction's long, and the meat of the message is short. So here we go. In Hebrews 11, I hope you guys got this. Walk. Walk by what? Good. And not by what? Amen, amen, amen. Remember all these words that I've just read to you. Remember the promises that are ahead. In Hebrews 11, which is like this faith hall of fame, 
I'm going to read from the message. I love the way the message breaks it down. Eugene Peterson, I mention him a lot here. But look at this. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Flow with me. If you're reading from another translation, just flow with me. And if not, it'll be on the screen. It says this. The fundamental fact, Hebrews 11, 1 through 7. The fundamental fact of existence, this is good, is, is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can see. It's, it's our handle on what we can see. How come you could see this stuff for us and, and I can't? Because they're probably operating under a different faith than you are. You guys understand that, right? So, so when you see this passage, he says, it's the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. And it's our handle on what we can see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and has set them above the crowd. What, what, is, what is the author, since we're not sure of the author of Hebrews, but what is he saying here? Oh, here it is. That I'm about to name you some, some hall of famers of the faith. And what set apart those hall of famers, what, the reason why they, 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 they're known and they're still spoken about thousands of years later is no other reason than, than, than this. Ready? Ready? They lived, they walked in an arena called faith. He says this here. What distinguished our ancestors and what set them above the crowd is the act of faith in their lives. Hey, what sets you above the crowd is the faith of God that is deep inside of you. So that when, you're, when your family is crumbling because they don't live in faith, you stand in the middle and you say, I know everything around us is crumbling, but at least I'm here. And if I'm the only one in the family that has faith, I will stand against the crumble and I will make my name and his name known through faith. This will not happen. Then the outsiders will say, well, how are you doing that? Because I operate in something that you've never been exposed to. Jump into these waters, experience faith, and you'll see pieces come back together again. Faith. But in order to get faith, there's a stretching, but we'll get to that. By faith, we see the world, verse 3, called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. So we see creation, yes? That's a question. So we see creation, yes? Good. But we have not seen creator, yes? We see him through creation, but you haven't seen him physically yet. It's a good passage. Look at verse 4. Let's get into the Hall of Fame. <clears throat> By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. By an act of what? So, so his offering to God was not better. It was the offering of what? Faith that was better. It's not that Cain and Abel had two different offerings and Abel's was better and Cain got jealous and that's why he killed Abel. It's because Abel operated in a faith that Cain didn't. And God was pleased with his sacrifice because behind his sacrifice was something called faith when behind the other one was something called competition. So I want to be loved like my brother, so I must give an offering like him. And still he couldn't measure up to his brother. Let me tell you why. Because what sets you apart above the crowd is act of faith. So when, when, when Cain tried to bring something to God that Abel genuinely just brought easily, but it was a struggle for, for Cain to bring, it was no other reason that one operated in faith and the other one operated in jealousy and in competition. And that doesn't get you anywhere. So by an act of faith, he brought a better sacrifice. It was that he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. Is everyone hearing this? But that's what God noticed and approved as righteous after all these centuries. That belief continues to catch our notice. It's all about faith. Verse 5 and 6, I'll keep proving it. By an act of faith, by an act of what? However you say his name. Enoch, Enoch, it does not matter. I always say Enoch, but just for fun, I'm going to say Enoch today. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. How the heck do you skip death completely? Oh, I know why. By an act of what? Faith. 
faith. They looked all over and they couldn't find him because God had taken him. God's good at hide and seek. You can't beat him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he what? He what? Didn't we share scripture last week that we said what? It is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to what? So how do you please God? But through an act of, man, check the puzzle. It's all connecting. Listen to last week's message. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists. Remember this last week? And that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Verse 7. Here's another person from the hall of faith. Ready? By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. Hey, does it make sense to build a ship in the middle of dry land during Noah's day? No. How are you going to get into the water? Why? Because if you really study, he built it on a mountain. And the ship was massive. There was no crane during that time that existed to bring it into the water. So by faith, he built a ship. Look at the next part. I actually underlined it in my notes. Ready? He was warned about something he couldn't see. And he acted on what he was told. Man, that's probably the, the, what impacted me the most this week. The result? His family was saved. Did you catch that? The act of one man's faith had ramifications to his whole entire family. His act of faith drew a sharp line. What sets you apart above the crowd? What sets a line between the evil of the unbelieving world? Look what it says. And the righteous of believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Intimate with God. Everyone say presence. Intimate is presence. Noah's intimacy with God came through his faith, his walk of faith. And I recognize that when I lack faith the most in my life is when I lack intimacy the most with God. So can you imagine being in Noah's shoes? Would you be able to say that, remember the definition of faith? Would you be able to say that you would have complete trust Complete confidence. Build me a boat. What's a boat? I've seen them on the waters, but what do you mean a boat? Because it's going to rain. What's rain? Water's going to fall from heaven. That's never happened before. What's going to happen? Build it on top of the mountain. Why the mountain? Shouldn't I build it near the water? No, it's going to rain. Okay, re remind me what's rain again. <laughs> it had never rained during his day. He didn't understand what God was telling him, but he was warned about something that he could not see, and he acted on what he was told anyways and he was warned about something he could not see but he acted on what he was told and this is where Noah was stretched just I really want you to just to journey with me I wish I had a hammer and nails can you imagine just journey with me now we're in the days of Noah thousands of years and no rain has ever fallen. He's grabbing pieces of wood. He's ripping down trees. He's doing, I don't know how he's cutting the wood up. He's making a, a ship and he's nailing the nails into the ship. And as he nailed it, can you imagine with every nail and every piece of wood that was placed on that ship, how he could have what, easily just walked away and say, this is the most stupidest thing that I'm ever, I've ever done. I'm building something on something that is told to me that I've never seen exist. But because I'm told to do it, I'm still going to do it anyways. You want to know what was happening to Noah? This is his part of being stretched. Will you build the ship though you've never seen rain before? For some of you guys, it's not rain and it's not a ship. But what is your ship and what's the rain? That God is telling you, will you act in faith though you haven't seen results yet? Will you build a ship though there's never... One drop of rain has ever fallen. Will you trust me completely that I will provide though you don't see the provision yet? Do you see the flip side of that? So every nail and every piece of wood, he must have been thinking that. And this is where he was stretched. When we are stretched is when we are told, listen, to act on something that we cannot see. That's when we are stretched. So, so how do you know today when you're taking notes and you're listening to the word of God, 
How do you know when you have complete trust? I hope you see it. Don't know if you see it yet. Here it is. Number one. Write this down. Obedience. If you have complete trust, then you what? You walk in obedience. Well, what is obedience? I just read it to you in verse 7. What? What is it? Acting on what is what? What is told to you. Obedience is acting on what is told to you. Hey, do you, do you always want to do what is told to you? No. But when God speaks to us, obedience is what? Acting on what is told to me. Not depending on how I feel. So how do I know if I have complete trust? Am I living in obedience? Am I acting on what is told? Number two. Number one was obedience. Number two, write this down. Faith. Look how these verses go hand in hand. Ready? Walking into something while not seeing it. So how do I know whether there's faith, there's complete trust in me? Well, here it is. I need to live in obedience in order, in order to grow in my faith. And all throughout Scripture, I see this. That genuine, complete faith is seen in individuals who walk in the unknown called obedience. So we come up with this. And you can write this in your notes. And now we're going to get into the message in about two minutes. The message is short. The introduction is long. We come up with this. There is no way that we can have faith while living in disobedience. There's no way. Because we just learned in the scripture that faith comes from our obedience. So how can I be disobedient in my life and still activate faith? And God's like, really? You just want the best of both worlds, huh? Noah, you don't want to build the boat, but yet you don't want to drown? No, you have faith and build because I told you. See what I'm saying? Be obedient. And when the rain comes, oh, man, I'm going to grow your faith to show you that I always provide. I've recognized all throughout Scripture individuals that walk in this unknown in obedience that if we're going to be obedient then faith will be given. Faith is tied to obedience. It's tied together. Obedience brings forth complete trust. Obedience brings forth genuine faith. So my question as we get ready to get into the meat of the message today is, are we there as a church? And are you there personally? If your answer is, yeah, man, I have complete trust and genuine faith in everything. Amen. If that's you and you say yes, look what I wrote down. Ready? Then you have embraced the stretching in your life and it's, in, it's creating in you someone great. How many of you, because of your faith, is creating something great in you, someone great? If your answer is no, I'm really struggling, then here's my answer to you. Ready? Embrace the process. Embrace the experience called stretched so that you could become someone great. Someone is made in the likeness of his image. Man, that's good. So we're going to get into the message as we jump into stretch part two and as we understand everything that I've read to you, I want, you, I want to read a passage from David's writing in the book of Psalm. In Psalm 144, verse 7, it says this. He writes this. He says, stretch out your hand from above. Look what David writes. Rescue me out of great what? Okay, everyone say stretch out your hand. And everyone say rescue me from waters. Do you know that as you study the scriptures, waters has often seemed to represent the testing of our faith? All throughout scripture. This is not the only time that we see the Lord stretching out his hand to rescue someone out of water. How many of you guys remember Moses? What did his sister and his mother do? They put him in a basket and they put him in the what? Believing that God was going to supply for that young child. That the crocs were not going to eat him. That the waters were not going to drown him. And how was their faith, their step of obedience and their faith, how was it what rewarded? Well, life did a nice little circle on them. And guess what happened? The basket came. Pharaoh's daughter was taking a bath outside in the waters. She hears a cry from a baby. She goes to get the basket. And who is it? It's baby Moses. And who does she give the baby to? His mother to take care of him. 
God rescued Moses from the waters. Does everyone see that? God saw the obedience of the mom, stretched her faith, and honored it. Number two, how many of you guys remember Jonah? Remember Jonah? I'm not going to Nineveh. You're crazy. Never. I'm going. Not going. Tarshish. Not going to Nineveh. And God says, you're going to go to Nineveh. So what does he do? A big fish comes and swallows him. He's what? In the belly of the fish for how many days? Three days. You know where that fish was in? Under the water. You know where he got thrown into? In the water. Because the boat that he was in was sinking. They threw him over. The water's all over. I'm just going to give you those two because I'll be here forever. Seem to always represent the trials that test our faith. You want to know what happened in the waters? I'll tell you what happened. Jonah was never the same again. When the whale or the big fish spit him out, guess what Jonah did? He went straight to what? Straight to Nineveh. He was obedient. You want to know why? Because he finally had faith. You want to know how his faith came? Through a process called stretched. The fish is going to swallow you. And in that belly of that fish, I'm going to stretch you until you finally come to believe and trust in me. And then I'll spit you out to do my will. How many of you have experienced the process called stretch? Now let's read. In Matthew verse, chapter 14, verse 24 through 32. Remember Peter in the water? Let's just read just in case. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. This is New Testament, right, disciples? For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Verse 25. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the what? Remember what water symbolizes? The waters that come to test your what? And Jesus is what? He's walking on top of the test that comes to test your faith. What does that mean? That that which you think comes to destroy you, Jesus is walking it, already telling you that he's conquered it. So they're all worried because the waters are going to crash and they're going to drown and they're lacking faith. And Jesus is walking on that in which they fear, telling them, do you not see that I'm walking on that in which you think is going to kill you? I don't know if you catch that revelation, but I did. I hope you do. So when they saw him, they were terrified. Look what it says. Ready? What is the enemy of faith? We'll get there. The disciples saw him. And they were terrified in their what? Notice, not in their faith, but in their what? Yeah. In their fear, they cried out, it's a what? That's something my, my, my three-year-old says. <laughs> you turn off the lights in the house, I can't go over there. Why? There's monsters. Son, there's no monsters in our house. Yes, there is. Why? It's dark. What color is it? You know what he says? It's blue. Monsters ain't does that to you, man. It's blue. He starts to describe Sully. <laughs> There's nothing there, son. It's, why? It's just, he's a kid. You know, he's, he's, just, he's just functioning like that. And then what do I do as an older adult? I get scared too. And I'm like, it's true. There's monsters in there. No. But hey, come on. I'm going to show you. My wife, right? Come on. I'm going to show you. And we turn on lights and we open up closets. You see? There's nothing there. So... See, here are these disciples that you would think that they would have grown up already, but they're still acting in such a way that they see Jesus walking in the thing that they're scared about, and instead of being filled with faith, <gasps> Jesus is here. He's walking on top of our problem. Instead, they're so fixed on fear that they don't see God in the midst of their problem. I know what it is to be filled with problems and still not trust in God and see God in the middle of my problems that he's walking in it. It's a ghost. And God's like, no, it's not. It's God. Some of us, we, com we confuse God for something else. And the truth is, he's in the midst of whatever is attacking. And we don't recognize that he's standing over it while it is overcoming us. Hey, I'm not here to tell you I don't struggle with this. I'm here to tell you that I'm in it with you. And I get it. And I know how it is to live like this. And it stinks. And the people around me know that it stinks. So I don't want to say it's a ghost because I'm filled with fear. I want to say it's God because I'm full of faith. Man. It's a ghost. And Jesus looks at them at once and says what? Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. So what does Peter say? Lord, 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 if it is really you, tell me to come to you. I want to walk on water. 
And Jesus says what? Yeah. Come. So Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on water toward Jesus. Peter's awesome, second person ever to walk on water. But when he saw that the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to what? Hey, you've ever um, experienced such faith, and then in a moment, you start to sink, like, what happened to my faith? That's Peter. Look what he says. Save me, Lord. Jesus immediately, what does he do? He immediately what? Reached out. Do you want to know what another translation says? Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he took hold of him, and he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus did what? He stretched. To save who? Save who? Save Peter, a man who at a moment lost faith. Jesus stretched to save a man who failed in his stretch. Jesus stretched in a time where Peter had no faith to pick himself up. I mean, I mean, Jesus stretched in a time when Peter didn't even believe in himself anymore. Jesus stretched in a time when the disciples were on the boat. Did you notice this? Didn't even jump in to save Peter or to throw a rope to Peter. They were just going to let him drown. So Jesus stretched even when no one else had faith for Peter. I love that Jesus always seems to stretch for us when we don't even have a faith for ourselves or when someone else doesn't even have a faith for us. We at least could stay according to scripture. At least there is one that is stretched in faith for me. Man. You've ever felt alone? You've ever felt like no one has a faith for you? Or you've ever felt like you have no faith for yourself? Ding, ding, ding. The word of God says, well, Jesus stretches his arm and takes a hold of him and brings him back into his presence. What does that mean? When there is no faith activated in you or around you, there is one that is stretched from heaven that gives you what no one else can give you and a time when you can't even give it to yourself. Jesus stretched to his unbelief. Jesus stretched to his lack of faith. Jesus stretched to Peter. Man, if someone will catch this. And I love how there's a stretch from the Lord. Do you remember? Let's go back to Psalm 144. What does David say? Stretch out your hand from above and rescue me from these great waters. Does everyone catch that? I love how the Lord is stretching in David and in Peter's life. David writes, stretch out your hand. Rescue me from the waters. Matthew writes what? Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he took hold of Peter. Do you see the resemblance in those two verses? The Lord could have given up on both of these guys. How many of you know that the Lord could have given up on us? But how many of you could praise him that he's never given up on us? And instead of giving up on them, instead of holding back his hand, what does the Lord do? He stretches his hand to them. He stretches it to David. He stretched it to Moses. He stretches it here to Peter. Last week we saw in Romans chapter 12 verse 3 that the Lord is the one who gives us a measure of faith. He stretches faith our way. So that's what I see here. That he stretches his hand to us. So when there is no faith in us or for us, Jesus provides he stretches his hand toward us, giving us faith in a time when our faith is at its weakest. And like if that's not enough, in John chapter 19, we see Jesus, we see Jesus crucified. And as we see Jesus crucified, something amazing happens. Look at verse 16 through 19. It says that Jesus was taken away. And he was carrying his cross, and he went out of the place called Skull Hill, which is Golgotha, and they crucified Jesus. And with him, two others. How many more? What a coincidence, huh? That two others were crucified with Jesus? Not really, but you want to know what the coincidence is? Here it is. One on each what? 
Jesus in the what? Do you want to know where God's presence was in the wilderness, in the tabernacle, when all of the children of Israel were resting um, out in the wilderness, escaped in Egypt? Do you want to know where the tabernacle was in the presence of God? Is want to take a guess? It was right in the what? So Jesus is there. He is the presence, tabernacle before man. And where is he at? He's in the middle. And he has one on each side. And Jesus is in the middle. And Pilate, to mock him, writes a sign and places it on the cross. And it says, Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. I read this passage in John 19 after reading Peter and David's words, or Matthew and David's words. And I actually wrote this down. If people would only know the manner of death this was. Crucifixion. Each arm nailed and stretched from one another. And I love that on one arm pointing at one man was one man was one man pointing at this guy was one man and pointing at the other side was another man and he had both people right next to him. And it's almost as if the stretch that Jesus was giving was speaking to all humanity. It's almost as if the man to his, to his left would look at him and see his left hand stretched to him. And I'm wondering at times if, if Jesus was on the cross, and I wonder if he ever did this because I do believe because the Romans considered your hand, your fingertip up to your forearm. So I do believe that they nailed him somewhere in the wrist right around here. I forgot the name of those bones, but right in the middle of those two strong bones because if not, it would rip here. So I do believe that as they nailed him right around here, I'm wondering if Jesus ever, ever stretched that and, just, and the other man would sometimes just stretch to him. And I'm wondering if they ever longed just to touch one another. I'm longing if Jesus just looked at him sometimes. And I wonder if, if, if some of the writers never wrote some of the words. Maybe Jesus looked at one of them and pointed at him and said, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this for you, man. I'm wondering if, if this hand was open so he could point to this man and show him, This stretch is for you. And I'm wondering when they put him on the other side and there was another man coincidentally on the left-hand side. He looks at him and says, and this stretch is also for you. I wasn't stretched just for one person, but instead I was stretched for all humanity. And I'm wondering if we ever see that in the scripture. Because yesterday we discussed our rubber band last week. And we flung it at the ceiling Symbolic as we're giving it to the Lord, our stretch. But I'm wondering if we ever forget God's rubber band. I'm wondering if we ever forget Jesus' rubber band. I'm wondering if we ever forget the one that he wore on the cross. You know, we, I, I wore mine on purpose. I haven't taken it off really. I wore it even yesterday to the baptism because I'm, I stink. And I hope that every time I see it, I, man, I need to be stretched and, I'm, I, and I need to have faith. But I'm wondering if we ever see the one that Jesus wears. Yeah, it's bigger because his stretch is more now. Yeah, he's gone through it, so, so you can imagine how much his faith is. But I, I wonder if you understand the, the process and the experience that Jesus went on the cross when they stuck one hand and they nailed it over here to this side and they grabbed another hand and the stretch had to take place and he stuck it to the other side. And if you think... For once that this is easy, I'm already starting to sweat. You come over here and you tell me if this is easy. And I'm going to tell you that the cross was not easy, not even for God himself. And there was a stretch because he had someone on this side and someone on this side and someone on this side. That all they needed to see was that the last dance that he would have before humanity was a stretch to tell them that when no one else stretches for you or when you yourself can't even stretch for yourself. Look at the cross because I'm always stretching for you. So my last dance before humanity is a stretch to tell you that I love you. How many of us struggle with looking at his stretch? You don't have faith? They don't have faith? Look at the cross. I am faith. I have faith. Come to me. I'm stretched for you. It is finished. Come on, man. Come on. This is, this is rubber band. Jesus. 
Jesus knows about being stretched. Just as much and even more than we know about being stretched. Jesus' stretch, our stretch. Whose faith are we really looking at? Jesus's, ours. Come on, there's a stretch from you that is greater than your stretch and greater than anyone's stretch for you. And it's a stretch that was found on the cross given to you by Christ. And that was his last dance before they took him off the cross. When they took him off the cross, they took him away from his stretch. And never again does Jesus have to stretch for humanity. The Bible says that now he sits at the right hand of the Father. As a matter of fact, when he showed up to the disciples, what does he do? He shows them his scars, which were what? Evidence of his stretch. Here are my stretch marks. Thomas, you don't believe in me? Here are my stretch marks. Here are my stretch marks. Just in case you forgot the rubber band that I embraced and that I experienced for you. Show me the stretch marks. And what do we all do? Exactly what you're doing right now. Help me in my unbelief, God. I know Jesus was stretched because when he went to go pray in the garden, God had the Gethsemane. Put Luke 22 up there for me, Rudy. Verse 41 through 44. Look what Jesus prays. He prays this. Ready? Keep going. 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But yet I want to do your will and not mine. What is he really saying? Father, if you are willing, please take this what? This stretch away from me. But nevertheless, Lord, if it's your will, to stretch for humanity, I'll stretch. I don't want my will, Lord, but I want yours to be done. And Jesus stretches. Let's keep reading. An angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And verse 44 says, and he prayed more fervently, and he was, such, he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground with drops of blood. If that's not called stretch, then I don't know what this is called. This is powerful. Because the what is syndrome could have kicked into Jesus. But instead of the what is syndrome, what happens if God the Father kind of lets me down? What happens if this stuff doesn't really come through? What happens? But instead, you know what he does? Listen to this. This is what he does. Instead, his purpose is to live out the Father's will. In faith. Does everyone see that? That his last stance before humanity was called what? I'll preach the whole message again. So ready? His last stance before humanity, I'll give you a, was called what? Stretch. His last stance, maybe it looked more like this, right? His last stretch before humanity was called Stretch. And it says that they crucified him. One on one side, another man on the other side. Listen to what I'm about to tell you because I'm going to end. He was delivering his greatest message ever by laying down his life. Not by speaking one word. Sometimes we need to get it in our heads that your words is not your greatest message. That your life lived out before others will be your greatest message. It's how you stretch in the midst of circumstances that preaches better than what you say in the midst of circumstances. Come on. His greatest message was not one with words. Church, get this. His greatest message was one with action. One with action. Christ was stretched to give us faith. Christ was stretched, remember the definition? To completely trust in him. 
So in return, now we can be stretched. So that we can live in obedience and that we can walk in faith. He first stretched towards us so that now we live stretched for him. Come on. So Lord, here I am, here we are stretched. Stretched to live in greater faith and to better please you. Because we just read in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it is impossible to please you. And it's interesting how Peter stretches, says, I want to walk on water. And in one moment, he was started to sink. He went from sinking in the water. Waters attacked his faith. But you know his life didn't end like that? You want to know how his life ended? Please do not miss this. In Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to end. Look at these verses. Jesus has gone to reign at the right hand of the Father. Peter's life is no longer the same Peter that is sinking in water. Peter's life is totally different now. I'll prove it to you. Verse 23 says this in chapter 4. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. They were in jail and God freed them from prison. And he told them what the leading priests and elders had said. They had to let him go. So when they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Verse 25. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth, they prepared for battle. And the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles... And all the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, oh Lord, guys, this is a, this is a discussion that they're having in the middle. They're having church in a house. This is not just scripture. This actually happened. And someone's recording it. Peter's words, oh Lord, hear their threats. Do you see them being stretched? Give us, your servants, great what? Boldness in preaching your word. Verse 30, I love this. Stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. He's talking to the crowd. Peter went from sinking in the water. Help. To now on a platform. And he's saying stretch out your hand. And stretch it out with healing power. With miraculous signs and wonders. Through the name of the holy servant Jesus. Peter now has been given faith. And is what? Imparting faith. And there was once a time when Peter had no faith. And now he's what? Imparting faith. How can a man who once sunk in water because he didn't have faith now stand in a platform and tell the congregation of people, stretch out your hands. With what? With power. That's with what? Healing power, miraculous signs and wonders through Jesus. Why? You stretch because he's already what? Stretched. Peter went from lacking faith to speaking of faith, giving faith, and charging people in faith. Do this. Stretch out your hand. Verse 31 says, after this, the meeting place shook. I think the meeting place shook this morning a little bit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to preach the word of God with boldness. Come on, church. What's stopping you? What is stopping you? Remember last week? How far you can go 
is how far you will go. What's stopping you? Come on, get stretched so you can go farther. Get stretched. I was debating whether I should read this. But as we all stand up, I'm going to ask you to join me and it will come up on the screen. But I love how God does this with Moses. And I love it how he does it with this man. It's the Sabbath day and you're not supposed to heal. And in verse 9 of Matthew 12, look what it says. It says, now when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue. And there was a man who had a withered hand. Everyone say withered. Right? Doesn't that speak of our faith sometimes? Just withered. And they asked him, says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they said this so that they could accuse him, arrest him, and kill him, right? So Jesus says, what man is there among you? Come on, who among you? Who has a sheep? Some of you guys, who has an animal, a dog, right? Some of you love your dogs and stuff. And your pets. And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not lay hold of it and lift it out of the pit? Wouldn't you love your animals that much? So how much more value then is this man who's a human being than a sheep? That's a whole other preaching, right? But let's get into it. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That's what the Sabbath really is all about. And I love verse 13. So he ignores all the religious people because they always have something to say. And he looks at the man and he says, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. Did he stretch it out? Did he stretch it out? I want to make sure he stretched it out. And when he stretched it out, what happened? It was restored as what? As whole as the other. Jesus didn't have to tell him to stretch. Jesus could have just told him, look at your hand. But he wanted him to stretch. Because you know what you need for the stretch? What do you need? You need faith. Because he could have easily said, I'm not stretching. Because you're going to make me look like a fool in front of all these people. I actually hide my withered hand. Because I'm ashamed of it. His hand was short compared to the other one. He goes, you're mocking me. But Jesus says, stretch it. You know what Jesus was really doing when he said stretch it? Activate faith. The man didn't see it. It was still here. I'm sorry. I'm not mocking the man. I'm just making a point. It was still here. But when Jesus says stretch it, he says, are you serious? It's still here. Stretch it. And in the stretch brought forth a healing that made a hole like the other hand. I hope you catch that. Because I believe that there's some of us here today that God is saying, where's your withered faith? God, come on, man. Don't make me admit to that today in church here. I brought someone with me. I know you did. But come on, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your faith. And watch me make you whole. Watch me make you whole. Remember Moses? Stretch out the rod and watch the seas depart. They part from one another. Why? God, I'm not going to do that. The elders behind me are going to mock me. Just stretch the rod out. And the seas begin to part. Why? Because there was a faith that he was bringing forth through the stretch. And then why is there a stretch in every single one of you? Why? Because there was a stretch on the cross already for you. So there's got to be a stretch in you. How many of you need to stretch out your hands? How many of you need to stretch out your faith? How many of you say that enough is enough? I need to do this. If that's you today, we could dim the lights. Who cares? The lights on or off does not make it more anointed. But just for your comfortability, we'll turn it off. But if that's you today, stretch yourself out. And this is what I want. I want us all praying for one another. So if you said, that's me. I got to stretch out my withered faith. And I recognize what was stretched for me. Here's the stretch. Ready? There's nothing powerful up in this altar. But I'm going to ask you to stretch forward. 
Come forward, and I want someone, I don't care if, if you don't even know each other, I want someone just to grab a hold next to you and believe with you and cry out in faith. And as you come up to the front, someone, anyone, just get around each other and start lifting up each other in prayer. And start activating faith in this room. And start asking God to do the supernatural. So ready? As we worship the Lord one last time, if God is saying, come on, stretch out your hand. Come up. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you want to come up and just stretch out your hands to the heavens, stretch them out. But if this was for you today, and you know that that is you, come up. And if the whole church comes up, then we will all hug each other. And we'll all pray for one another. And we will all recognize our weakness together. And it's okay because, hey, listen, we all need someone else's faith. And if there's not a faith in the other person, then it's fine. Together, we'll cry out to the one who stretched out for us. So come on if you want to come into the presence of God. I invite you to come up here. Let's pray together. Let's pray for one another. Lift someone up. Cry out for them. Don't hold back. Take it out and say, here it is. It's given to you, Lord. Stretched out. Church, let's worship him. Let's praise him. Let's exalt him.